Hi, this is Lucy Mackay. Welcome to the Rare Disease Podcast for Medics. This podcast is brought to you by Medics for Rare Diseases, who are equipping medical professionals to reduce the diagnostic odyssey and improve the patient experience for those living with rare conditions. This podcast is here to help you become a rare disease ally. Hi, everyone. Um, So it's me, Melissa, and welcome to an international episode of the Rare Disease Podcast for Medics. I'm joined today by medical students from Zimbabwe who are very passionate about rare disease. Welcome, Chetza Tariro. Um, So in this episode, I'm really excited to speak to um, Chetza and Tariro specifically about rare disease and rare disease in Zimbabwe. Um, Now, I know that they are involved with Child and Youth Care Zimbabwe, which are a registered Zimbabwean-based non-profit organization focused on improving the quality of life of families living with a rare disease. And to make this change possible, they mobilize resources to support service delivery for people living with rare diseases. But I guess my first question is, apart from being very busy medical students, you're all involved with child and youth care Zimbabwe. How did you guys become involved with rare disease advocacy and why does it matter to you? Um, the first time we actually got involved with CYC uh, was when uh, we were asked to volunteer as medical students to attend um, workshops and webinars on genetic analysis and genomic analysis and then interpret what we had learned um, in those webinars and then um, people from the organizations uh, and relay the information we had, would have gotten in a more simplified manner because it was um, a very, uh, I guess, uh, complex um, work on the uh, topic. So yeah, um, from then on, um, they invited us to uh, support, group, to attend one of their support group launches um, where they were, uh, going to initiate a support group for children and patients uh, that had CHH. And yeah, from then on, we've been working with CYC, volunteering, attending other support group um, events. And it's been quite interesting because well, uh, initially I started to do uh, this because I was in, um, I'm very passionate about genetics. And then I got to see this whole other world to um, on the side of genetics with rare diseases and it's been quite a lovely journey. Oh amazing. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear you say it's been a lovely journey because it's it's true. There's there's this whole community um outside of of just everyday medicine. And you're you're right, genetics is so fascinating, but you're right, rare disease is so much bigger than just genetics, which is incredible. Um, yeah, I'd also like to add on to what Tari said. I think our experience was exactly the same, whereby um, we started off with attending webinars, then we um, went to the support group. And I think after the support group, um, Tari and I then talked to each other. They were like, we want to go deeper into this because we were just used to learning about rare diseases from the textbooks. But then we then realized that I guess maybe it then struck us that there is actually a need for us to go deeper into it, interact more, like see what we can do um, um, in this in this gap that we're seeing. So that's when um, Tari and I then approached um, CYC 
to ask if we could volunteer. And I think since then, I don't think any of us have regrets. We've, I think we've grown so much and we've learned so much. And we've even discovered that we actually want to go deeper into this on a professional level. Amazing. Well, I'm very excited to hear that, um, that you are passionate about rare disease. And I know that all your patients that you will see as you continue in your careers will really benefit from, from your involvement in the rare disease community. Um, I know we've been spending a couple of weeks together meeting every second week and talking about all things rare. And I remember when we started talking about rare disease, we spoke about what the definition is of a rare disease. And um, I mentioned to you that we usually use the definition that it's a condition that affects less than one in 2000 people. Um, is this the same definition that's used in Zimbabwe? Um, you know, do, do they have a, um, uh, some sort of, statistic or figure that they use to estimate the amount of rare diseases in Zimbabwe? Um, unfortunately, no, we don't have uh, statistics on rare diseases in Zimbabwe um, because no one is actually doing acquiring this data. No one is doing genetic tests. So we actually don't have any data on the number of people who have, genet who have genetic um, conditions. But fortunately, um, there are some pediatricians who've noticed a trend in certain conditions. Um, for example, with CAH, we have a rough number of the number of patients in Zimbabwe that have CAH and galactosemia. But it's not the total number, it's just from their own experience. Okay. And I'm assuming that this is something that you and Chietza and Lionel and um, everyone at CYC are looking into, perhaps creating a registry or, you know, some sort of way to, to estimate um, the prevalence of some of these conditions. Yes, yes, definitely. You're actually working on it. Um, actually, a few weeks ago, uh, we, CYC conducted a survey um, on rare diseases, how much uh, healthcare professionals actually know about rare diseases and which conditions they've come across. And yeah, it gave us like a rough idea of uh, what it's like, um, the, um, the status on like rare diseases and how healthcare professionals approach to them. It was quite uh, sad to actually know that a lot of the healthcare professionals don't even know that some of the conditions that come across are rare diseases and they don't know how to approach these conditions. And often um, at times the patients actually uh, die without ever getting a diagnosis. So, yeah. And as medical students going into the profession um, and seeing this, I know when we started talking, you said you really want to in increase um, you know, you want to work in advocacy on, on the one side in the community um, as well. But on the other hand, you really want to encourage awareness of rare disease amongst your peers and amongst other healthcare professionals. Um, do you feel, I, I mean, of course, you're up to the task, but do you feel ready for, to take on this challenge as you go forward? Um, I, I feel like we do feel ready <laughs> to take on the challenge because we also realize there are other people in Zimbabwe that are very passionate about this. So it wouldn't be a journey would be um, going through on our own. Um, for example, um, um, the doctor Tairo talked about um, Dr. Priska Tanga Murerirwa, who is a pediatric endocrinologist who works with patients with CAH. Then we also have um, 
um, Mr. Chintembwe, I think. Um, he's the president. He's the president of the Hemophilia Association. So, um, I think with advocacy, there are people that have already been passionate about it and doing it. So we'll just be maybe playing an additive role to it on the gaps that we are seeing as uh, medical students. That's that's amazing. And I feel like we just have to shout about your incredible new blog called Resum, the first post, which is live right now. And we'll add a link in the podcast description um, so that everyone listening can go and have a read. But tell me a little bit about your blog and why you started it and where you hope it will lead to. Um, so we initially started this blog um, after we realized that from the survey, from the results we got from the survey, that a lot of healthcare professionals don't know about some of these rare diseases. I mean, we get taught about them in class, a little bit of them, but we don't get to see the social aspect and the economical aspect. We don't get to see all um, these other aspects that could act, like affect a whole patient. And we don't get to go in depth into the, into the disease itself. So uh, I think we took this, um, we took it upon ourselves to actually then discuss uh, some of these conditions that we've come across um, personally. Like with CAH, uh, we plan on sharing some stories that patients had with their uh, diagnostic journeys and how it was, how complex they were and how difficult it was to actually finally get a diagnosis in the setting of Zimbabwe. We want to also um, talk about some of the challenges in the entire uh, industry of genetics uh, that we know we don't have genetic tests. Uh, we don't, you know, and um, we also want to share uh, uh, links and connections to support groups in case they're, uh, they're patients that might come across our blog so that they can actually get help, uh, the help they need uh, uh, from these support groups. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if there's anything else, Shaza, that we hope to do with the blog. Well, I think that is that is really, really great. And when you mentioned um, that it brings to light some of the challenges that healthcare professionals are facing, specifically in terms of recognizing conditions, diagnosing them, and um, providing management. Um, do you think that more rare disease education is an answer to some of these challenges? Yes, definitely, definitely, uh, because we only get taught like the surface, on a surface level. So um, I think if healthcare professionals were more um, uh, exposed to these conditions at a deeper level, then yes, a lot of people would know how to manage. A lot of healthcare professionals would be more comfortable in managing um, rare conditions. And I love what you're doing with the collaboration between healthcare professionals and patient groups, because I think it's so important that um, patients and families and healthcare professionals work together. Um, because as, as we've been speaking about over the past couple of weeks, we know that some conditions there's, there's more research and some conditions there's very little research and um, we can really, we can really help help one another especially when we when we take on board the the insights and the lived experience from our patients um, do you feel that you have learned um learned about rare diseases from some of your patients that you've seen yes actually um 
I learned a lot, I, especially um, some of the challenges that they face um, in Zimbabwe, uh, socially, economically, financially, because as a healthcare professional, we're just taught to look at a disease. We don't really look at the social aspect of, you know, how this condition might actually affect the entire family. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I've actually learned a great deal from uh, talking to patients and families that um, have these conditions, even on mental health as well, uh, and the effects on um, that uh, uh, these conditions can have on a, uh, on a patient's mental health as well as their family's mental health. Yeah, yeah. That's um, I, I also wanted. Sorry, I also wanted to just add something um, to what Ayura said. Um, one of the things we also noted is that because um, these diseases are rare, pharmacies might not feel the need to maybe supply the medication or to buy the medication um, because the profit margin for it will be extremely low. So these patients will also struggle with availability of their required medication. Um, so I think maybe I'll just highlight um, what CYC did, whereby they managed to get um, donations so that these patients now have, um, the patients with CAH now have medication. They can just go to Harare Hospital and collect their medication. So um, I think it's one of the uh, problems they also face and one of the ways that um, it's being tackled by certain organizations. That's that's um, that's highlighting two very important things. Um, so it sheds on the one side the fact that um, you know without a diagnosis, it really impedes your care um, on several different levels. And Teriro, you um, pointing out the 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 social impact and the impact on mental health. Um, and I think it is so important to take into account that that. When there's a rare condition or a rare disease diagnosis um, or a rare condition, whatever that condition is, it never just affects that one individual and it can affect a whole family of individuals. Is that something that that you feel that you, you've experienced or come across? Yes, actually. Um, some uh, patients uh, or some mothers of patients have actually gone so far as to have suicidal thoughts and wanted to commit suicide. And some patients, um, some families have actually been separated or been destroyed by, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the condition or, the, I mean, it's discovering that uh, their child has uh, this rare condition. So, yeah, it's, it really, really, really affects um, their mental health uh, extensively. I just wanted to also expand on what Tariro was saying about the fact that some families have um, separated because of um, rare diseases, um, because of the impact of um, maybe a child being diagnosed with rare diseases. One of the things that um, isn't very clear in our society is that the role of genetics, the role that both the mother and the father can play a role in a child getting a certain condition. So most of the time what we see this side is that the woman gets the blame and then that causes a breakdown in the family. So um, I think that's one social impact that um, rare diseases have. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess um, 
I think it's it's really difficult when we know that there's a lack a lack of information about specific conditions, but also when there's maybe a language barrier or um, cultural beliefs that uh, that don't support some of these um, scientific explanations or genetic explanations for for why conditions occur. Um, and I think I was wondering, you know, whether language barriers or, you know, um, cultural beliefs or religious beliefs has has any um, impact in Zimbabwe specifically for for some conditions. Um, yes, uh, with cultural barriers uh, for a lot of Zimb- Zimbabweans, when uh, something like a rare condition happens, uh, the automatic uh, thought or the automatic people start to think that there's some foul play involved and there's witchcraft involved. So that's what um, I guess a lot of Zimbabweans have just been raised to think that, you know, um, uh, it's either that uh, this person has been bewitched or the person has, uh, there's something wrong in the spiritual realm with. uh, So anyway, that's how they try to explain um, some of uh, the conditions that they come across. And also like what she said, said, earlier on, um, the entire family will blame the wife, will blame the mother of this child, will uh, uh, say that maybe the mom or the mother was being promiscuous during the time and they might have acquired HIV and passed it on to the child. Like they come up with uh, anything to try to uh, come up with any explanation, explanation trying try to understand why uh, this child had, uh, has uh, been diagnosed with such a condition. So, uh, and also language barriers um, in terms of trying to explain um, autosomal dominant, autosomal recessive. I don't think there are actually any words like that in our Shauna dictionary. So I think it would be very difficult to explain some conditions, um, especially like things like hormones and the word hormone or enzyme. It's so it will be very complex to actually try to explain that uh, from someone with a heavily uh, Shauna background. So yeah, I think it's a it's, it's a serious barrier, and I hope in the future it's something we could uh, possibly overcome. Yeah, well, I think I think it's definitely something that you and Chietza and Lionel and CYC will be working on in the future, um, because I think it's it's about integrating integrating um, cultural, religious, um, spiritual, um, and and our lived experience into understanding what's happening with my body and why why am I ill or why is this happening to me um, and and I think it, it's it's like you say that's one of the specific unique challenges that's perhaps um, faced by individuals in your communities. Um, I I can definitely picture how the blog can be very useful um, in in helping explain some of these very complex um, concepts to individuals. Um, I guess something that I wanted to come back to was the survey that you mentioned earlier. Um, And I know that in your blog post, you explore the survey results that was um, carried out by Child and Youth Care Zimbabwe. Um, would you mind just giving us a, a snippet or a summary of what what the survey was about, and what do you think the results showed, and where is where where does it go to from here? What's needed to be done from here? Um, okay, so uh, 
the survey was mainly done on uh, healthcare professionals uh, across Zimbabwe, and we asked them if uh, uh, various questions on um, rare diseases, whether they've come across rare diseases, uh, what they know about rare diseases, which rare diseases they actually learned about, and um, if they've had to manage a rare disease, if they knew how to manage uh, um, a rare disease. And what was striking from the survey uh, was that uh, I've forgotten the actual statistics, but uh, the majority, I think I'd like to say almost 70% of um, the people, the healthcare professionals didn't know or uh, mentioned that they wouldn't know when uh, they would, what to do if they came across a certain rare condition or they did mention that they came across a rare disease but they didn't know how to treat that uh, rare disease so um with that data i mean from that survey uh we are hoping that we spread awareness as much awareness as we can um to healthcare professionals and uh, host webinars we actually hosted a webinar uh, last week uh, on rare diseases um, and in, uh, on an introduction to rare diseases to Zimbabwean uh, doctors to actually expose some of our healthcare professionals to uh, these rare diseases and conditions so that they actually know, because it was quite striking that a lot of these healthcare professionals, some of them with 10 years of practice mm -hmm. came across rare diseases, but didn't even know how to manage uh, the rare disease. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's fascinating, Teruro, and it's and you know um, we always say that there's shared challenges. Um, there's very there's always many unique challenges because rare conditions can be so different and unique from from one another. But collectively, um, rare conditions are are not that rare. Um, individually, they're rare, but collectively, they are common and we should always be expecting to see patients of rare conditions in our, our daily practice. And even if that, and, and that's something that applies for, for Zimbabwe, it applies for the UK, it applies for every single country in the world. It's a, it's an international um, sort of saying that we can say that just is proof in the pudding, I guess. Um, according to the survey, um, 96.1 of healthcare professionals feel like they're actually um, full, 96.1% feel like they were like not adequately resourced to take care of patients with rare diseases. So I think that's one of the important findings in our survey, that the majority, okay, nearly 100% of the healthcare workers felt like they did not have any resources or enough resources to even take care of the patients. So even if they did present themselves and maybe the 11% of the healthcare workers that knew how to take care of them, um, four percent of them only um were acknowledging that there is resources. So I think that was um one of the very important findings we found out. Yeah, yeah. And and just flipping um the page on that, so we were speaking about mental health and um the impact of rare disease, but on the flip side, for for healthcare professionals, surely that must also have an impact on their mental health. Because if they're aware and they're passionate about rare disease and they're aware about rare conditions, but yet they feel inadequately resourced to address some of the, the management issues that the patients might have, how, how do you think that adversely affects um, 
the healthcare professional that's seeing that patient or family? Um, I think that will ad- adversely affect their mental health because one of the reasons why um, people choose this career choice is to be able to help patients, to be able to get them through the point of being sick to get them to um, a better state. Mm-hmm. And if they're presented with a patient that they realize that um, this patient needs this to get them from point A to point B and they themselves, no matter what they do, they are not able to help the patient. And they also realize that the mental health of the patients and their family is also um, directly proportional to, how, to whether they're getting treatment, is directly related to whether they're getting treatment. So I think this takes a very big toll on a lot of healthcare professionals in Zimbabwe because the helplessness um, that they face and then also dealing with patients who are like, but how can you, How? what can I do? Because patients then pose the questions to the doctors themselves that, so what do you expect me to do? And the doctors themselves don't have the capacity to even be able to help them, even if they tried. So, yeah. These are, these are really tough issues. And um, I'm wondering whether, whether you agree that, you know, the first step of, of helping these patients is getting resources together and um, increasing awareness because where there's more awareness, there tends to be more resources. Um, Like we see with certain patient groups um, that arise um, and like we see with, um, you know, the more more common um, knowledge there is about something, the more sort of um, energy and time goes into it. Do you feel that 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 is, is... some way of starting to chip away at some of those challenges and improving care for patients with rare conditions? Yes, uh, definitely. And I'll give an example of um, the Hemophilia Society in Zimbabwe. I think it started in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. But um, even though it's a for uh, for some patients to finally get a diagnosis, um, it, it's a long journey and it's difficult. Uh, uh, but once they do get uh, the diagnosis of hemophilia, uh, they get the help they need at the hemophilia uh, center and society, and they actually get lots of donations from international organizations. Uh, I think like Nord. I think Nord actually supplies them with um, Factor Eight. Uh, and other medication and other um, uh, any other treatment that they might need as hemophiliacs. And I think uh, through working together with other organizations, um, it's really helped uh, the condition with, uh, with the people. It's really helped the people living with hemophilia in Zimbabwe. And I wish for the same for the rest of um, other individuals with rare diseases in Zimbabwe. That's great. I've, I really thank you for your time to Riro and Chedza. I think just to, to sum it all up, my take-home message from speaking with you today is that together and going beyond borders, healthcare professionals are willing and committed to learn more about rare diseases, which is fantastic. And even though there's many challenges, um, as is emphasized by your amazing Resum blog, there's a great need to encourage, bring together and share information and spread awareness about rare diseases amongst healthcare professionals. And hopefully this is the start of a very bright future of work together. Um, and I can really only say that um, wherever we're going, we're not going alone, which is a good thing. Thank you so much, Melissa, um, for this opportunity. I think 
Thank you so much for having us. It was very nice discussing with you with regards to this.